0: Hey, this is Dan Fields, and you're listening to Save It For The Show, episode 115. And on this week's show, we have Kyle Ryan, current editor of EntertainmentWeekly.com and former editor of The A.V. Club from The Onion. We talk a lot about his career and how he got into working for The A.V. Club, some of his best experiences there. We talk about Roger Ebert, Bob Newhart... And how when he was a reviewer of podcasts, he got a lot of shit for it. A lot of people didn't like their podcast being criticized and reviewed by him and his friends at the AV Club. And it's a great show. Also, if you're new to the show because you're a friend or a fan of Kyle's, please stick around. It's a fun show. Every week, my co-host Eddie and I make each other laugh. We tell gross and goofy raw stories and have a lot of fun. And if you're a fan of The Walking Dead check out a new podcast that i'm doing with a friend deadinsideshow.com it's great you'll like it you'll like this week's show and you're the best thank you for listening and without further ado here she is Hey everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Save It For The Show. This is Dan Fields, and you're listening to episode 115. And on today's show, I have a very special guest, Mr. Kyle Ryan. What's up, Kyle? Hello. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, nah, of course, man. This is my favorite kind of show, where we're strangers.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: We don't know each other at all. You know, you could get on here with me, and I could be a complete fucking weirdo. T- well, I,
1: you know. I'd like to think that I I know you from having listened to uh, a few episodes ahead of this, so oh. I think I know what I'm getting into. Okay, good. At least I hope so.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for listening. You're drinking. What are you drinking?
1: Sorry, I just had to have a sip of water.
0: Oh, that's no fun. I was hoping you were going to have some interesting small batch artisanal mm.
1: thing. but it, it's, a, it's a very small batch soda stream uh, carbonated water.
0: Ah, there you go.
1: Handcrafted. And
0: a one-liter bottle. There you go. Yeah, I mean, what kind of animal drinks at home on a Tuesday night? <laughs> well, this guy. I know. Me too. That's my one rule. I really try hard not to overdrink during the week, so that way on the weekends I can I can get after it <laughs> and not feel so guilty. Well, anyways, thanks for coming on the show. You know, you mentioned that you've listened to a couple of them, and and, and Kyle, I should kind of say how we quote unquote met. For a long time, Kyle was the editor of the AV Club, which is the onions extension, uh, where it's about music and movies, just everything audio visual. And they have a podcast reviewing thing on there. And I I've been hustling my show pretty hard. I mean, I really believe in it. It's I think it's great. And so people are always like sending people sending you their show. Check out my show. Check out my show. And I think I sent it to you to like, you know, the blank AV Club email address every week. And finally, I said, "Hey, I don't know who's reading this, but just tell me to fuck off if you are, just don't even care, or you're never gonna listen." And you wrote me back. And you said, "Hey, thanks for sending it in. I'll send it around, and and I appreciated that. So thanks for for writing me back."
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember you uh, carpet bombing us with uh, with requests. I hey. uh, but all the ones that would get sent in, we they all go to. Like a list, and we we would try to get to all of them. It was uh, it was. There are a lot of podcasts out there.
0: (laughs) There there are a lot, and not only are there a lot, but there are a lot like mine, where it's just (laughs) a dude trying to be funny, and he's not famous and all that. So I could understand getting heaps into a pile of shit. Where on paper, my show doesn't sound compelling for a stranger to pick it up. So I don't. I never did get reviewed or what's new or any of that with Mm. on the AV Club. But hey. I'm not giving up, hey, maybe this will be the show that gets all those uh, turkeys you used to work with to say, I'm going to give this one a <laughs> listen and hear my old boss. Maybe he will say the N word or something. Awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I'll, uh, I'll, I'll email the person in charge of it. Be like, Make it happen.
0: There you go. Or just you could say the N word and ruin your career for the sake Hi. of the show.
1: I could, but I mean, you know, it's just—it's uh, <laughs> just probably not going to happen.
0: Okay, good. Please don't. I, it would—it wouldn't be good. It's not worth it, man. Don't throw your. But mind.
1: I got—I got some thoughts on the Freemasons. If uh, you want to, you want to just really let go. Uh,
0: I, I think I have a huge contingent of Freemasons that listen. <laughs> well,
1: so let's—it's
0: yeah, going to be trouble. Let's not. My my only four way with four way uh, foray with the Freemasons really is that episode of The Simpsons with the stonecutters. Oh
1: right, yeah, remember
0: that? It's classic. 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 Like class, I guess that was when the Simpsons were quote-unquote good, which, you know, whatever. Jury's out on that. So anyhow, that's how you and I kind of quote-unquote met. I go, Why am I saying quote-unquote so goddamn much in this show? But you've, le- you've since left. So before we get into your new gig, of course I have a couple questions about working with the Onion and the AV Club. And how do you get into sure. that? You know, I, I went to journalism school. So the notion of writing and, and doing something like that, working for a publication, I mean, The Onion is a, is a publication. It's a, it's just like anything else that's written and visual like that. So how do you go to get into a job like that? Were you a comedy writer or were you just, just a writer in general?
1: Uh, I mean, I was a journalist. I mean, I went to journalism school at the University of Missouri and uh, worked uh, for years at uh, this like, monthly sport, like sports and fitness magazine uh, that, like, that was regional. Uh, and then I was doing freelancing on the side uh, as well because I was, you know, primarily – my my passion was music, so I did a bunch of, like, you know, band stuff, like, you know, music journalism on the side as well as, like, played in bands and stuff. Nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, every week – you know at the time we had a the onion had papers and we were uh, distributed in Chicago and every week I would get it and every week I would look in the the ads to see if they had any staff openings ah. uh, now now comedy staff openings would never ever be advertised uh, right. but you know I was a huge fan of the EV Club uh, as well so uh, and you know and I my experience was in you know pop culture journalism not comedy writing uh sure so uh one day lo and behold there was an ad for uh, a chicago city editor uh and i remember i was reading it on the l in chicago and when i got to my stop i literally ran home uh (laughs) and spent the next like hour two hours like putting together my application and all that uh, and gave up on the job on two separate occasions because i didn't hear back Uh, i didn't hear back for uh let's see Probably a couple months. Wow. Um, and then uh, I did hear back, and then uh, they I took an editorial test, and then they're like, "Great, we'll be in touch within a week." And I, of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, I I was like, "Hey," because you weren't supposed to email at all. Like you like, but once I got the test, I I emailed the person who uh,
0: Yeah, you were in. Sent it to me.
1: Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, you know, have, have you guys found somebody?" and that person was Tasha Robinson who I ended up working with for years. And she's like, no, we're just, you know, we're, we're running behind. Um, so, uh, eventually I interviewed and got the job and I started, uh, at the time we were expanding the amount of city specific coverage in all the cities where we were printed. So like we had, we had like show listings and stuff in the back, but then we also started having like Chicago specific features and little like restaurant capsules and all this stuff. Uh, and so I did that for about a year and a half, and then I started uh, running all of our local editions. Uh, and we uh, expanded for a while, and then uh, I became managing editor of the A B Club uh, and was just doing national stuff, and then uh, eventually I was editor. That's awesome. That's
0: You know, that story is so cool to me, the notion of... You wanted a job and I'm not, not to be too hippie crunchy here, but you had a goal, you had a dream, you had a vision and it happened and don't give up. I mean, shit, I, I'm i a new business, so I email people all the time. I mean, listen, I emailed you 10 times mm-hmm. before you and me connected. A, a good friend of mine applied for a job and I remember he didn't get it, but in his thank you email, he wrote such a nice thank you email They wrote him back and said, you know what? We changed our mind. Well, we're going to give you the job. Whoa. Yeah. Crazy. Which is a really, to me, I always think of that to just not, as corny as it sounds, not to give up. And the other thing is people are lazy as shit. Yeah. And the editor at the time, I think you said her name was Tasha? Yeah. She, I'm sure, didn't read your resume and just think like, well, I I don't like this guy. Like you said, she was busy and she forgot and kind of moved on.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, at the time it was, uh, you know, she was associate editor and Keith Phipps was the editor and there there's there like this committee of them looking for, you know, making us hire and they just, they were just behind and, and like, and having hired many people uh, since then, like I, it's, I know exactly what it's like because you just, you know, it's tough to stay on top of all of them and um, it just takes a while. You're, you're constantly behind oh, on yeah that stuff. So.
0: It's a fault. I mean, hiring people. Isn't easy. It can be a full-time job in itself. Yeah. But the one thing I always say to myself now is, I'm used to people not getting back to me, whether it's for work or the show. You know, I, I email other like comedians or people to try to get them on, and I don't hear back from most of them. I don't take it personally, and I just keep bothering them because why not? I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of think to myself, if my show ever gets a teeny bit of notoriety and people email me, I I have this sort of goofy promise that. I'm going to email everybody back
1: that mm-hmm. emails
0: me. And I'm sure once I get out, if it ever got to that point where I was getting a hundred emails a day, you just, you can't do
1: that. But right now, oh yeah, you know,
0: right now while it's a couple a week, I can handle
1: that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get, I easily get, uh, probably 250 or more a day. Um, and it's, it's just an unreal. It's a relentless fire hose of information that's, spewing in my inbox
0: every day it's the worst the way i the only way i can i mean business-wise is difference and i think we all have our personal emails but i just i read email for just chunks you just can't stay on your email all day or you're screwed mm-hmm. that's that, that would be your job mm-hmm. is emailing people anyways yeah this isn't a uh, how to be productive show this is supposed to be <laughs> it's supposed to be funny so to me i always liked the onion and the onion in general and the av club was like a secret that i felt that only I knew about and other people in the know back when Mm -hmm. it wasn't as easy to get on the internet. And Mm -hmm. the internet, the onion was just made for the internet. And especially the snarky, sarcastic meme, Reddit, like generation headline generation. And I just love how it's got. I mean, this is why the Colbert report and the daily show. I mean, if it wasn't for the onion and all that, I don't think any of those shows would be nearly as popular as they are. No, no. And
1: there are uh, former Onion staffers who like are either running those shows or high up on those shows or writing for those shows. Uh, yeah, the the Onion family tree is, is uh, very vast.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. One of my favorite offshoots of The Onion that it's brought is speaking to the Internet. The stories and the headlines, which are... <laughs> It depends. If you can read an Onion headline and know it's fake, you're that's one kind of person. But there are so many people that read these headlines, think they're real, and then run mm-hmm. to Facebook to post about it. And I think there's a really funny website that kind of captures those Yeah, people. literally.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah,
0: there you go. It's great. I mean, if anyone hasn't seen that, where it's an absurd headline, somebody reads it and then goes to Facebook angry, just angry, angry on Facebook about something fake Obama did usually it's about Obama if there's a lot of anger anything like that it's it's hilarious how decisive that stuff can be but it's mm-hmm. it's it's fantastic
1: yeah yeah that's uh, that, that was always uh that always brought us a lot of joy when people fell for it uh i was managing editor of the onion for about a year when we were relocating the comedy staff from new york to chicago uh, as a whole company's based in chicago oh, okay and uh you know that was um uh, really awesome to to be able to do that like i i was there with him on election night in, in 2012 and uh as always it that's always something i'm gonna remember because it was it was really fun sitting in that room and uh just watching it come together and contribute you know when i could
0: that's awesome oh i mean on an election night i mean give me a break it's like uh that's like being in the war room or something yeah
1: yeah it was really fun that's cool uh, that's yeah cool. It, it was a good good bunch of people there i bet
0: it's to me. It's so important to have sites like The Onion and the AV Club because there's so much serious shit out there. If we don't have satire and if we don't have comedy, we would just go insane. In fact, I'm almost surprised there's not there's really no competitor. You know, The Onion has carved such an interesting spot that there isn't mm-hmm. another fake sort of pseudo news network. And I, I did want to ask you, being that it is so quote unquote fake. But the A.V. Club is very real, you know, and it's it's, it's very real and the reviews are real. Was it hard at first to kind of say, because at first I remember when I first found the A.V. Club, I almost expected fake reviews or joke reviews or like Mm -hmm. something awful style reviews. Clearly it's not. And there's so much that you guys have branched out into. Was it difficult to kind of really make it a legitimate and seen as great reviews or was it pretty quickly, you know, people could get the joke that it wasn't?
1: Um, well, I mean, a lot of that was before my time uh, there. But I, you know, just speaking from having heard the stories, I mean, it, it, I think it, at first it was tough because it, it, the ab Club didn't really have much of an identity, mm-hmm. uh, and it was like the comedy staffers or satire staffers were writing it in the in the very early days, uh, and then like around '95 was when it really started to become its own thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I think. Uh, for a while, it was tough. Like the very first AV Club book that we did. Uh, this was again before I was there, but <clears throat> it's called The Tenacity of the Cockroach, and it's a collection of interviews. And it's really interesting when you look at like the people we were talking to. I mean, we were talking to people like the Unknown Comic, uh, and uh, all these people who who just weren't in demand. But <laughs> those were the ones that uh, would talk to us. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was a much much smaller thing uh, you know, up until, you know, like even when I started in 2005, it like the, the website was in black and white until the end of 2004, which is wow. just baffling. And it would like the, the week that all the stuff from the issue would go up once a week. And that was it. And so, uh, you know, the onion wasn't really, uh, better in that regard either. Like, you know, it, it took uh, the onion, uh, grew, I think, more accustomed to the the internet or moved a little quickly more quickly than the A V club did. But Mm -hmm. you know, by two thousand I'd say probably like two thousand seven was a really big year for the A V Club and then uh, it just grew by leaps and bounds and now, you know, it it it's we you don't really have to you know, we for a long time, um, you know we used to hear like when we were going out for interviews and stuff, they'd be like, Oh, you're not gonna make fun of us, are you? And it's just like, no, it's a whole separate thing. You know Um, and we'd still hear that every now and then, and, and people would still refer to us as the onion, even though it, you know, it's very much a separate brand yeah. and it's all, it's all owned by the same company. And we all like sat in the same office, but it was, you know, uh, two different things. Like there was no overlap in the writing staffs or anything.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that's sort our of stuff, Like, you know, it, it would be frustrating. Like when, when people would say, ask us if we were going to make fun of them or, uh, if they just call us the onion or like sort of dismissively refer to us as like, oh, this, you know, this like the what there was a media writer in Chicago who referred to us as the insert that goes in the onion. Oh. Uh, uh, so that stuff would always be frustrating. But yeah. like in time, I, you just sort of make your peace with it. And it, it became a lot less common, too, as the A.V. Club grew. Sure.
0: Siskel and Ebert were from Chicago, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: we used to, used to see. Uh, we used to see uh, Roger Ebert at screenings.
0: That's cool. I, I, yeah, it's a, a town known for its uh, critics and, and yeah,
1: view. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was really cool. Like, I mean, I never I never talked to him because um, I, I wasn't a film critic. Like, I, I would review movies for us occasionally, but like our our core film staff like all knew him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, would see him around and everything, and it was just neat to like have been to a bunch of screenings at where he was, you know, and getting to sit near legend was was cool
0: that's that's something that i don't think can ever really happen again you know a notion of a critic being a a pseudo celebrity in his own right and so well respected there's certainly plenty of critics out there that i think hey if this guy recommends an album i I know i'm gonna like it Mm
1: -hmm. but somebody
0: like that i mean is there anybody around these days that has that level of criticism that that's you know worth following uh
1: yeah i mean i think you know, you get there, there are people like that. Uh, it's but it, it's so much more uh, segmentized now than it was uh, when when uh, Roger Ebert or Gene Siskel came up, like it, it's you know, they're instead of like the big city papers that you read all the time. There are a million blogs and websites yeah. and it's just, there's just way more noise now. Uh, but you know, some write up, rise up after that. you, you have your like Chuck Klosterman's and, oh yeah. uh, you know, people like that are, you know, are like well-known, well-known personalities, so, you know, right. I, but will there be another Roger Ebert? I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if anyone will ever become that popular sure, or, or that powerful. I mean, he was, he was a, he was hugely powerful in in the in the movie industry it's it's crazy yeah um but he is from another era i don't i don't know that it'll ever come back
0: that's i mean that's the irony of it too i mean everyone with a twitter account is a critic these days and yeah the ebert story and especially how he got cancer and couldn't talk i mean Mm -hmm. you, you couldn't write a movie that played out like that for a guy who made his living with his voice to lose it, and then
1: oh yeah, I mean it's like if you saw that in a movie, you'd be like, okay, right. this is this is a little a little on the <laughs> nose, but uh, yeah, I mean it, it was he had an incredible life, and uh, you know he was he was in bad shape for uh, the last few years of his life, but he, he was just like hanging in there, and he would still be at screenings with you know his wife would be there, and they'd have like a, a nurse or someone helping them, and wow. it was just it was incredible to see him. You know he, he was writing up until the very end. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if, if, uh, that should be everyone's goal. And uh, he was great on Twitter. I mean, speaking of Twitter, he just never stopped creating. So, Oh, no. Good no. for This is now becoming the Roger Ebert Podcast. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> with your co-host, Dan and Kyle. <laughs> so, all right, well, otherwise, um, so, so you did this for a long time, and this is an impossible question to ask, but what sticks out? Is there any time that you had an, an amazing scoop or a review you wrote, like you said, that the artist or the filmmaker whoever wrote back to you and was pissed or an angry publicist like are there any moments that stick out in your mind from from your tenure there
1: yeah yeah for sure Um, on the good side uh, we did this uh, feature that was started by Steve Hyden who's now uh, at Grantland called we're number one where we'd write about uh, an, uh, an album that reached number one on the on the billboard 200 Hmm. and i did one about um uh sorry just got distracted by something um uh i did one about bob newhart's uh the button down Mind of bob newhart and uh, uh which was the first comedy album to uh to go to number one and you know it was it was a big it was a big deal sure uh and i I just wrote about like the state of stand-up comedy at the time when he recorded it and you know, all that stuff. And he wrote me a very lovely, like handwritten note uh, that I, uh, that I got and have, and this was just like last year, uh, which is definitely like one of my, like all time, like best things that happened. It was just like, it was, and it wasn't just like, Hey, thanks for the story, Bob Newhart. It was just like he had read it, and he had like he made a couple comments on things I had said, and like it was, it was just really cool. Uh, that is, and cool. it was, you know, and again, it was like this long form, like cursive handwriting on on note, and it's just you don't that stuff doesn't happen anymore. So you
0: mean he didn't tweet at you? Cool uh, review, bro. Okay, thanks. Bye. And
1: yeah, yeah. Seriously, it was just it was just from another time, and it was a uh, uh. it was really great. Uh, and there have been you know we've had. I've been able to meet like a lot of people who I immensely respect or am a huge fan of like Bob Mould or Patton Oswalt and have gotten to know, um, you know, personally, uh, which has been, which was great as well. Um, the other side of the coin is, yeah, you, uh, you can't help but, uh, piss people off. Too. Sure. Of and, um, you know, you, you were asking about pod which was our, which is the AV Club's uh, podcast review feature. It was something I came up with um, a few years ago. Like Nathan Rabin, who was the head writer, and I are both like big podcast fans. And we both sort of had the idea, like, yeah, we should figure out some way to write about podcasts. And so I came up with this format and, um, you know, it became this thing that we did every week where we were writing about like, you know, 25, 30 podcasts every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was... Uh, during my during the whole time I was at the AV Club after we started it, the most controversial thing we did. Wow, uh, yeah, it was crazy. Like it would like just baffle me every week like, how up in arms uh, people would get about it. Fans uh,
0: or the creators?
1: Both. Both. Uh, there were creators and there were people who, you know, there were a lot of people who sort of figured like, oh, nobody else is really writing about podcasts. You're writing about podcasts. So you should write about my podcast. Right. Like there, there's this like weird sense of entitlement that I'd never really encountered elsewhere. Like that by simply by dint of doing something you felt not, not you specifically, but oh, sure, people sure, felt sure. Uh, that they deserved to be written about. It's like, you don't have bands that just exist. Like, Hey, I'm in a band. You should write about me. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, it's, that's not how it works. Uh, but they're because podcasting is such a new medium, uh, people seem to feel that way. Uh, so we get, we get that we would have, um, uh, because we wrote about, uh, you know, a lot of comedy podcasts, uh, and comedians, uh, tend to be, uh, very sensitive people. Right. Um, I was gonna and say they, sensitive, Yeah. the, uh, the people, the, the thing that I learned uh, from this and just from my experience being just working in pop culture is that the people you expect to be to have the thickest skins have the thinnest skins. Wow. And you know you can have people who you know like an insult comic, you know, who makes a living shitting on people. <laughs> yeah, uh, will will be uh, incredibly upset that like you didn't say something nice about him or sure. something, or, or you were critical of uh, his performance. Um, so uh, the. We i've had uh run-ins with a lot of podcasters and people who appear on podcasts well,
0: um, well one thing i was going to um, say is you you have children i clearly. do can you
1: hear her i can don't, i can move
0: no don't move at all we i didn't know you had kids we could talk about kids for sure don't yeah i just <laughs> i feel bad I a, your kid's no, crying no, is everything okay I a,
1: yeah i have a our two-year-old we've just started uh not giving her a pacifier when she goes to bed at oh, night. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not. It's She she hasn't been uh, terribly uh, pleased with that. No. But let me see if I can uh, get into a different room where we won't hear her. I'm not sure how long she's going to
0: That's be fine. Now I feel us. bad. I feel like dick move. You're missing putting your kid to sleep. Unless maybe you're kind of getting out of it, which could be a nice break <laughs> that, for you.
1: That is true. I didn't think about that that she, you know, I've I she screams in my face uh, on a, a lot of other occasions, so of it's course. okay. you can tell your wife, um, "Hey, listen,
0: honey, I have a huge interview tonight with I
1: told her. A gentleman.
0: I, I can't let him down." Well, it's funny you say that about podcasting because I think podcasters aren't probably used to being reviewed critically anyways. Right. They just put this thing out there. It's fun, and it's laid back. And then you guys, you know, you take a stand at it where like, actually, this episode wasn't very funny or, you know, this is a great comedian, not the best interviewer. And this interview kind of sucked. And so I think people yeah. are probably taken aback like, whoa, whoa, wait. I mean, I'm doing this thing and not making much money at it. How dare you criticize Oh, yeah. Me?
1: Yeah, that's totally. I mean, that was um, I actually wrote about this for the A.V. Club, but uh, we <laughs> I had this brilliant idea of. uh of uh, I got ended up getting lunch with uh, some people who we would cover in uh, in Podmass a lot,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one of the people who just happened to be there was uh, someone whom we had written about a lot on Podmass, and uh, and like eighty, I, no, I would say ninety percent of the things we had written were favorable, mm-hmm. uh, and there's somebody we wrote about a lot, uh, and he uh, proceeded to tear me a new asshole for about. 45 minutes what uh yeah he told me he, he told me that i was personally responsible for uh keeping him off of television because uh you know you're you're michaels uh when he when he's looking for new talent he first thing he does is check their their record on on pod to make sure we haven't said you know oh the, the, ah, right. they weren't that funny in this episode um but he in no uncertain terms, told me that I, I was responsible for his career uh, not being where he wanted That's to. That's insane. Um, it was completely insane. And one of the things that he said was that, you shouldn't be reviewing us because we're doing this for free. No. Uh, and I said, okay, so Jimmy Pardo co- charges for his podcast. So do I review him but not but not you on this other podcast? And, you know... It, it was completely like I mean it was crazy to engage with him because he was not going to be swayed. Like he was there to, he had an axe to grind and he wanted wow. to. Yeah. You know, so there was just there was no logic to it at all. Um, but yeah, I had and, and he and there it turned out that somebody else he was with <laughs> was also feeling aggrieved by something i had written. Man. So he you know he uh, went off on. It. He's like, why do you have to? Why can't you just talk about the good stuff and not be <sighs> <laughs> why? Why? That's can't not you... a review. I was like, well, that's why I said, I'm like, that's not how criticism works. Yeah, you know, and uh and it was crazy because, like, it was something that we we were so clearly fans. Uh, yeah, and 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 of these two guys too, we we said so many nice things, and like, you know, if you look, if you they would step back for a second from their own world and look that we are writing, we we're spending like hours every week compiling like 30 podcasts that we were either reviewing on our own and then we were going after listening to like new stuff that we Mm -hmm. weren't reviewing it was a huge undertaking like it was clearly a medium that we were that we were big fans of and wanted to support and had created this uh this feature to support you know uh because nobody nobody was like critically evaluating podcasts so it was like oh this will be cool um but it's just weird, like podcasts, like podcasting is still such a new medium that, right. like, it's like, hey, you know, we're all like trying to, you just got to support the scene, man. It's like, well, that's, that's what we're doing. But like, yeah, it, it was still like, it never it would never ceased to amaze me like how like controversial it was. they're, they're missing uh, and...
0: the point. I mean you're spending an hour a week, like you said, or even an hour once. You're giving them an hour of your time to read that, which is enough. I mean that's I know they're doing it for free. Fine. That's great. Congratulations. But but they're really not. They're most comedians do a right. podcast as a means to an end. Like you said, to get on T V or write a book or something like that. So don't just because you're not getting paid money it's still part of your job it's just another tool and yeah toolbox so and it deserves to be criticized and they should be happy whenever i get a review i fucking love it and even when i get a bad review honestly i love it too because i'm not so up my own ass that i think everything i do is perfect i like to know you know what man that interview you did with kyle ryan it was okay like, it was a little slow. Like, I would want something. That
1: guy's a deadbeat. That
0: guy's a deadbeat. The Onion and the A.V. Club are stupid. Like, fine. Thank you. Tell me. In fact, I, a lot of times I'll read on the show when someone sends me something especially mean or nasty, because I figured they still listen to my shit, and they took the time to write in, so thank you. My my real fans don't do that kind of stuff. So, anyways, yeah, well, it's and, crazy.
1: And the thing that was always cracks me up about these these people who are just like, you shouldn't be writing reviews, man. And then, like, they would end... Episodes with like, please write a review on iTunes. You know, like they're like imploring right. their listeners to go write reviews, but it's like only positive oh, ones. But only positive ones on iTunes, and, and you know, so it was weird. It's a it's funny because I haven't quite figured out how to cover podcasts uh, at at Entertainment Weekly or on the website. So like, I but I've, I've been trying to think like like what would be a good way to do this that isn't going to like bum me out. Yeah, <laughs> like on a regular basis. Well, the, so this is a good
0: segue. Uh, so you you have since left, and now you yes. are the editor of EntertainmentWeekly dot com, and you're yes. right because podcasting also, unlike anything else, there's no season, there's no one time mm-hmm. thing. So let's say you are doing I don't know the Nerdist, and every week I know there's a new guest, and you can be critical of how Chris Hardwick is interviewing. Was it funny? Whatever, but that's also not necessarily the most interesting review to read either. So mm-hmm. I can see you having a hard time because what do you just, you know, do his show once a month, once a quarter, and then doing other ones? It's it's a bit of a quandary, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I mean the whole reason we created the, the reason the podmas came up with this format and the and the way it was set up, it's since changed, but like it was here the here's the best, here's the rest. Like because because we listened to a lot of podcasts and you wouldn't necessarily have time for everything in the week. So yeah. like here's the stuff you have you should definitely listen to this week. Here's the stuff you can skip. So that that was the entire premise of it. Mm. Um, and so for this, yeah, it's tough because like what are you going to write right? like you know, if I'm an EW I'm going to write an article about WTF like oh here's something you should listen to. It's like that. Everybody knows WTF right. at this point. Like so you know, there's not there's not anything to say there. Even like uh, you know, I I only listen to wtf every now and then like i listen to comedy bang bang and like never not funny and stuff religiously mm-hmm. and uh like and comedy bang bang as it has a show where, like you know it's not what am i gonna say yeah uh, about that like you know other than like oh this episode with paul Tompkins was really great like everyone with know. him is really great uh, yeah exactly it's <laughs> like oh, another another classic like yeah you know, so it's it's tough or are you just gonna write about new stuff that you know, just because you can go every week and write about like five podcasts that, you know, are, are new or newish that mm. you haven't heard of. Uh, maybe that's compelling. But, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do was also to give people a space to talk about the podcast that they really love. Yeah. Because the AV Club has a very robust commenter community. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, so, like, it would be like every week there would be like this, you know, a few threads about Comedy Bang Bang and, like you know, some cases like or frequently like totally disagreeing with me um, or, you know, disagree with it, And then like people would use that as their own way to like write about, they would write about podcasts in the comments that we didn't cover. Yeah. Uh, like the history of Rome, like every week there'd be somebody or every time there was a new history of Rome episode, like somebody would write up a review in the, in the comments. And it was really great. It was just like, it was just a place for uh, everybody to come and talk about. So mm-hmm. I, I that's on my mind too, uh, about whether, you know, is there uh, the commenting community on EW is on um, EW.com. Isn't as crazily, uh, sure. Devoted as uh, AV clubs are. I don't think anyone, any websites is to be honest. Um, so well, I'm not sure like what, what format it would take and like what we would want to get out of it. I'm still figuring it out. You know
0: what I would do? I, I would do, here's my thoughts. So I think since you are a music writer at heart, there's nothing like sharing a band with a friend, right? And saying, mm-hmm. man, you got to check this band out. I know you like these guys and you like these guys. It's as if those two bands had a baby and you're going to just love it. And then there's that sort of feeling of, oh, man, I hope they like it. And they probably say to you, no, 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 this is this is good. I like it. But when mm-hmm. they say, oh, my God, dude, thank you so much. And now they're my new favorite. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that. I, I do that a lot with Russian Circles,
1: which I, I think <laughs> oh, is a Chicago man. band, right? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, my band played their first show with them. Oh no maybe shit. Maybe their maybe their second show. They were brand new.
0: Oh, I, uh, at the time. I adore that band and I adore that style of music. And anytime a friend of mine will kind of let me know they like instrumental heavy rock like that, I say, mm. dude, you gotta check out Russian Circles. And yeah. it's almost like it's a part of me that I'm sharing with them. And podcasting, even though it's in your ear and kind of music, whatever. It doesn't have that same notion of sharing it because it's very difficult to say to someone, "Here's one track from this band." It doesn't. The podcasts don't have that same thread, you know. Right. I have that problem. All and it's the time.
1: like, oh, devote devote forty five minutes or an hour of your life to to this. Yeah, that's an impossible. Like- I mean, even like if you send someone uh, a Russian circle song like "Death Rides a Horse" or something, right? You know that that's still like five minutes or something. You know, uh, but
0: oh, and I have to say, know, say to them, fun. hey, you got to listen to the whole song. You got to the song is like a journey; it goes up, it goes down. Like listen to the whole song. But you're right; that's five minutes. That's about four minutes and thirty seconds more than internet idiots will take an hour right. to listen to a podcast. Is crazy. So. That's one of my biggest gripes with podcasts in general. In my own show, I have a hard time saying to someone, hey, here's one track, give it a chance. So I Mm -hmm. think the notion of you still being able to discover a show or love a show, share it with a friend, I think that would definitely be something cool. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, I think just rip some shows apart. I (laughs) I think some shows need to be taken down a peg. And you need to say, you know what? The audio sucks. There's no chemistry or they're terrible at interviewing, even though they're famous they don't yeah. know how to keep a show moving like why not i mean you would do that to a oh, band yeah. or you would do that to a movie and it's not about being mean but i think it, i think people would enjoy some more real reviews like you guys did on pod i think people would dig that
1: yeah i mean i tore a couple ones down big time uh, like Marilyn rice cub uh was doing a uh, maybe she still is doing a podcast for nerdist i think it was nerdist
0: Either and, that or uh, earwolf, I,
1: I I don't remember. No, it wasn't. It wasn't earwolf. It wasn't earwolf no? no, and uh, it was just it was awful. Yeah, uh, and like I like I completely on her team. Like, oh, this is gonna be great. And like I listened to like several episodes, and I was like, oh man, this is this is really bad. She, she just wasn't cut out for uh, it. Uh, no, and it was just like it was just you know there was just there there were a lot of things wrong with it. But like you know she was like just using her computer microphone oh. to record and it was just really she wasn't respecting form- the medium really formless and like just sort of like half-assed and it was it just wasn't it wasn't interesting yeah. um so you know but that's no like those aren't fun it's like and that's the thing that people always uh think like those reviews aren't like fun to write like they're there's like she's someone i respect and i've interviewed and whose work i like oh yeah you know it's one thing like if i shit on adam carolla's podcast because i just don't like that guy and you know whatever right uh, and, but, and everyone you know, shits
0: on him i mean he's used to criticism i think he thrives yeah on
1: it. yeah exactly it makes it makes him stronger but uh <laughs> yeah. you know that that doesn't like that you know or like taking like very we were writing movie review of you know some new michael bay movie that sucks like yeah. everybody knows that sucks like there's you know th- those might be kind of fun because you can like you know, because it's clear that like it's not someone you don't you really respect. Right. Like fine, but like someone who you who you like, whose whose work you respect, it's a bummer. And those guys that uh, who you know, tore me a new asshole for uh for the stuff I wrote. It was a huge bummer because they were Ooh, people. I'm dying to know who, who I, that was. Uh, uh, I'll I'll tell you off air. Okay, and I, I, I will I will say uh, on
0: air. I promise.
1: Uh, it was. It was a huge bummer because they were people I, I really respected. And it and it was one of those things that, like, even though I knew they were wrong, it still got to me. And still, like, yeah. I still thought about it a lot, which sucked. You know, I, I was, you know, it's uh, – I was just talking about about it with somebody last night. And it was just uh, – it's one of those things. Like, I, I think anytime you're, like, exposed to, like, an, ext- <laughs> an extended – uh, period of someone like telling you how much you suck if that's gonna stick with you but <laughs> yeah. uh it was you know I, I i've thought about it more than i i would like
0: hey, to. those guys are assholes let it go they're obviously <laughs> stupid they shouldn't be on tv because they're dumb and
1: well it was funny one of them facebooked me like six months later and was like hey you know I was apologetic and was uh-huh. like kind of explaining like you know his uh like what was ha- going on with him and right. i was like all right cool you know i was like I, I, I get it. Like, it, it's good. I, I think we're on I think we're cool now. I, I, uh, uh, but the other guy, nope. Oh, nope. He, uh, fuck he, that guy. Went on, went on a Twitter rant uh, last year about about me. And I was like,
0: wow. Oh, dude, man. you has got to let it go. Hey, you've made it. When someone on Twitter rants about you for more than one or two <laughs> tweets, done, well, podcasting is not easy. I think it's one thing to be a stand up and have material that you do every night, it's one thing to be funny when you write. Doing a podcast, and uh, listen, I'm not saying by any means that I'm the best out there, but it's not the same. So you can't just be funny in one right and just pick up a mic and every week. That's the other thing, too. I think the work ethic to do a podcast, it really is a frequency game. You got to do it every week. And I mean, I'm on my 115th with sometimes I sit down and say, What the fuck are you doing, dude? That you've done 115 of these in a row. But. Well, and you'll
1: do, if you do some that's just you, like that's crazy like i that's oh, that's thanks. Uh, I, I think that's impressive that you you can pull that off cuz i i don't know i that's i appreciate that that that's a that's a good devotion to uh to what you're doing
0: i appreciate that very much well i, I i'm taking up a ton of your time i definitely want to do your real treat and stuff like that and i did want to ask you a, a bit about ew and my my biggest question sure. is you left a place that like i said not the onion but certainly with overtones of being fun and laid back and now you're at a, mm-hmm. at a and listen from a job perspective congrats huge jump i mean that's, <laughs> that's fucking awesome good for you man but i bet it was hard cuz you left chicago you oh, live in new yeah. york i mean that that was a big move do you miss that and and what about ew now are you kind of excited about to, to bring to them
1: it's it was uh it was uh incredibly agonizing um i had no plans to leave the AV club. Uh, I had no plans to move to New York City in my late 30s with a toddler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the AV club's voice was my voice. Like it, sure. Like, you know, we and I had spent uh, a big chunk of 2013. Like we were in sort of rebuilding, and it was just you know. Uh, and then this uh, EW approached me, and I basically talked to them for funsies, uh, <laughs> just because I thought I, I thought it'd be I thought it'd be funny to like you know talk to a big you know big brand oh yeah and, why not you know, just just for the experience and my my boss who, who was also one of my best friends josh modell at the EV club like i even told him I was like hey did they approach you because i got the distinct feeling they had gone to like a few like cool places and you know you know maybe gone down the masthead and and right. checked in with some people I, I, how I dare
0: you be so self-deprecating zeer, I, listen to you oh yeah you yeah. must have talked to everybody no
1: they they wanted you well, I mean, they, you know, they did, I know that they had reached out to people, but I was just kind of like, still. you know, but I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't, yeah, I don't, I don't really have an ego when it comes to that stuff. But, uh, so it just became one of those things where I was like, all right, I'll talk to you. And then, you know, over the course of a few weeks, I, you know, I, I wasn't taking it especially seriously. Uh, and then it just became something that was like, oh no, now I, I like, I wanted the job because i'm competitive and i want to win yeah uh but i was also terrified that i was gonna get it uh <laughs> yeah. and uh i i did and it was just one of those things where my wife and i like there was this one week in in march where we were like every night we were discussing like all right you know what, like going over the pros and cons, and every night we would make a decision, and then the next morning we'd both be like, eh, You know,
0: and those are tough. Uh, I mean, that's that's it, when life is at its most like raw and real, and
1: yeah, and... yeah, it was, you know, and I was like, It was nothing I had planned for, but of course, that's what that's how life is, you know, yeah. and uh, and it seriously came down to like an hour before or you know, up until like I accepted because like I we had decided one night, we we're like, All right, we'll do it, and then the next morning i was like i really don't know i was started having doubts again and you know we were just talking about it and my wife was like let let's do it let's just do it and i was like okay and i'd be the
0: same uh, way I accept by it. the way if it came down to oh, my, yeah. my wife said let's do it i'd say fuck yeah honey we're
1: doing it you, you, let, well it's, it's you like it. i was like all right you know because we had both said like all right you know there's there there's so many pros and cons and and I called and I accepted and I was happy for about five minutes and then I was just in a pit of anxiety <laughs> for the, for like 72 hours after that, yeah. where I was just like, wait, what am I doing? This is a, this is a bad idea. Like, it,
0: of course. um,
1: uh, and I, I could barely keep it together when I, when, uh, I told Josh, uh, much less. And then when I, I told the staff I was leaving, I, I could, oh man, I could barely keep it together. It was, it was so, so hard. That's rough. Uh, and, and when I left, they, uh, they, they made the the masthead of the Onion and Navy Club. They printed it out and put it got got it framed, but with this this really big matting that everybody in the company signed.
0: Ah,
1: oh, uh, that's cool. And I like i have been there for nine years, and I've never seen them do that for anybody. And the that says a lot. The people, man. the people who run it, uh, the, the president and the CEO and everything, they've. They were so cool, and they were just like, anytime you want to come back. And there have certainly been times since I've left where I'm like,
0: hmm. (laughs) I want to go back. Uh, uh,
1: But the way I I describe it is like, you know, I still talk to people there all the time. Oh, yeah, Um, of course. And uh, like, you know, seeing stories that they're doing and everything, I I describe it as like seeing an ex-girlfriend who you still love. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool, I'm glad. You know, because I I made no – I had no – uh, illusions that the places are going to fall apart without me like i no nobody like the, the all these places are bigger than the individuals that come through sure. uh, so uh it was like you know it's just you know i'm happy you know i'm happy when i see something cool there and you know but it's also bittersweet because because it is you know it was it's such a big part of my identity and yeah uh,
0: that's exciting uh, though and, it, change, yeah, is it, change is good
1: change is good and somebody had told me like if your goals don't scare you they're not right you know so like being completely terrified of (laughs) of coming here was i was like all right well then we're doing something yeah doing something right but you know uh ew and and time is a much obviously a much different place than uh the small world of onion ink uh but it's good like they're you know it's it's crazy uh just how different the the access is like you know i went to comic con this year and we have a big studio there and from for three days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every 15 minutes we have a new cast from something coming through and it's like oh here's the entire cast of the Avengers yeah uh like you know all the cast of Game of Thrones and all the Walking Dead all these shows coming through and it was this super concentrated dose of celebrity that like I and I don't I don't get starstruck really Mm. actually uh the only person I got like really like excited about was when in the lobby of our hotel i thought i saw lord lapkus who you know is a comedian who's on uh does stuff on comedy bang bang and on your wolf a lot and she was a uh, one of the guards on orange is the new black and i was super psyched because i'm such a fan <laughs> of like when she does like, when she's on comedy bang bang yeah but much you know when but you know when like robert downey Jr. is in the room i was kind of like oh okay cool hey, what's up? you know like right. I, uh but it was it, that it was a you know, it's a much different world than I'm than I'm used to. That's uh, awesome, man. But It's cool. Like, and we have you know we have lots of stuff planned, and you know, um, I'm excited to do some new stuff uh, that they haven't really tried at EW before. And
0: uh, so it's
1: a long it's a long process. Yeah, but, man. Nah, uh, no, uh, good for you it's though. Cool.
0: You took a chance, you went for it, and, and you know, guys like you who are successful when they put their mind to something, I'm sure it'll work out great for you, and you'll you'll do a great job there. So congrats well listen Thanks. before i take up your entire night i don't hear you screaming anymore sounds like your daughter went to sleep which is good uh yeah, let, yeah i hope so i hope so right yeah it'll, it'll it'll pass like anything with having a kid it'll pass she'll ditch that pacifier and before you know it it'll be something else that'll be torturing yeah. your life yeah so let's do some silly show things i, I asked you to bring a real treat to the show something yes. that you're digging i figured a guy like you there's always something interesting or cool or new that you're into what's what's your real treat right now <laughs> no no pressure my, no pressure
1: yeah yeah i was gonna say my cool real treat is like super basic uh that's fine um it's uh and, and it is something that i spent way too much money on and it's Dark chocolate M Ms. Oh, <laughs> I don't
0: know if
1: I don't know if you've had those. No, but I mean it's an it's an actual treat that I'm talking about.
0: It's like a purple uh, bag, right?
1: Yes, okay. purple bag. Like I like that. I eat a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> These are, I mean, just tonight like I'll, I'll have a few at night or something. But like, I think we're keeping M M&M and Mars in business just because we, uh, my wife and I, get so many of them. So that that's that's an, an actual treat but i can i can give you uh something cooler uh uh as well hey if, listen if you, if you like that rule
0: the show there's never too many real treats and i love a treat real treat so yeah if you have something else that you're digging right now go for yeah, it yeah
1: i uh I'm telling you dark chocolate MMs. All right, right i'm into they, it i like the they, pretzel they MMs.
0: Them. those are
1: my, those are good yeah they, uh, I, i've become an m&m connoisseur over ah. uh over the past few years uh but there there's this band uh called uh the hotelier Who I was actually gonna also say this is my my closeout music too. Uh they're uh this basically an indie band from Massachusetts. Uh and I came up in the punk scene uh in the nineties and uh the emo scene, uh like second wave emo, like sunny day real estate era kind of stuff. Old school Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early Jimmy Eat World, uh Promise Ring, Mineral, all those bands. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Um and uh, the Hotel Hotelier uh, sounds like one of those bands, even though, but they're oh wow they only started they only started a few years ago, and uh, they started out under the name The Hotelier, and now they're going as The Hotelier, which mm. uh, I I don't know why they changed the name, but interesting. Their most recent record uh, is called Home Like No Places There, and it's uh it's amazing. It's going to be my number one record of the year for sure.
0: Uh, it sounds uh, right up my alley. I mean, the way the, yeah you're speaking you should, my language
1: seriously. You should check it out because if you like any of those bands, it's it's uh, it's totally in in that universe. And I actually, when they played New York uh, a few months ago, I went to see them, and they were playing with this band called uh, Foxing, uh, which was a, and they were the most emo thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm like, <laughs> and I like, like I've got the bona fides. Like I I was there. Yeah. It was it was crazy. The singer had the, they have the song where the singer is just like, why don't you love me back? Oh God. It was like, which is basically the motto of emo. Right, so, of uh, anyway, the Hotelier, Home like, uh, no places there. They're uh, they're super good.
0: Nice. That's a perfect, perfect real treat. Well, my real treat this week. These are great. This is going to be a really good trio. You can eat your M and M's. You can listen to the Hotelier, and you can watch baseball. So right now, so, that's. Are you much of a baseball fan? Just very casually. Okay, so I I won't go too much into this, but right now it's the postseason. And, you know, so I live in Northern California. I'm a big Giants fan and the Giants are doing great and they're winning. And the interesting thing to me about baseball more so than any other sport is in in football, you know, there's 16 games. And if your team doesn't make it to the finals or the Super Bowl, that's the end. You know, you don't have a long Mm -hmm. time to wait. But in baseball, if your team doesn't make it to the end, there's still like another month left of baseball on TV where your team is gone. And you essentially right. have to watch other teams play, which is really frustrating. I think a lot of fans say, <laughs> I'm done. Like, I'm not going to watch a team that I hate keep playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it's your team, it's great. And it's almost special that every game, I not to turn this into a baseball is interesting and not boring thing, but... It gets really exciting at this time of the year. So, oh yeah, totally. So for me, totally. yeah, it's it's fantastic, and the Giants are great. They're doing super well, and watching them is definitely a real treat. So hey, that treat will probably be relevant to a few people. But if you're a Royals fan or a Orioles, no, fan.
1: I, I mean, yes. yeah, I I really hope the Royals do it. My my mom was from Kansas City, and uh, she spent uh, a good chunk of the 1985 World Series in the bathroom because. Uh, she noticed that when she got up to go to the bathroom, the Royals tended to do better. Oh, so man. she would listen to the games. <laughs> she would listen to the games on the radio in the bathroom. That's funny. Uh, uh, so I, for her, in her memory, I, I, hope they, I hope they do well.
0: Ah, yeah. Well, it, it looks like it'll probably end up coming down to the Giants and the Royals. So that'll be that'll be interesting. But that's funny. Sports fans are the most superstitious people in the world so
1: oh yeah she she would change like uh, she was also a massive massive chiefs fan sure Uh, and she would change she would change outfits like several times over the course of the game (laughs) like she thought it would help them and it was it it was insane that's awesome yeah it's really funny that's really awesome
0: okay so the other thing we can do on the show is it's a segment that's rather new is that weird where every week we share something from our life that's kind of odd or weird do you have something that weird in your life you want to share with the folks? Yeah. It took
1: me a while to think of something. It's tricky. This is a harder one. uh, Yeah. And, uh, so here's the thing, like I, I ride my bike to work most days or as often as I can. Um, and I come home and I have like, you know, my sweaty bike clothes and I hang them up to dry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I, I go about my business and then when, I like, later on at night when I'm getting ready to go to bed and I come in, or the next day I come and grab him to throw them in the hamper, I will reflexively smell my shirt. <laughs> and, like, and it's, like, yeah. I know, like, they're, I and I don't know what I'm looking for. Like, it, it's, like, and I'm, like, oh, yeah, smells gross. Like, but I will do it every single time. And then, like, after I wash it, I do the same thing. Yeah. And I don't do that with any other piece of clothing, but like, that's funny. That, like, though, the, my bike shirts, I will always be like, oh, yep, you know, yep, it stinks great. You, like, I don't know what it is I'm trying to get out of it. You take but a big hit, too? Uh,
0: I mean, do you really bring it in, or is it more no, like a dainty it, sniff?
1: No, it's just like a, a quick, like, a quick sniff. It's not, yeah, I don't, I don't, well, like, take a big. Okay gulp of it let, but let me I, ask you I don't know if it smells good would
0: you not wash it and figure you can get another day out of it is it a test sniff
1: no no it's like i'll I'll wash it regardless
0: okay so do you want yeah. to smell it do you like the smell of this
1: I don't I don't know I don't think so I don't know if maybe I feel like I've accomplished something if it smells like I don't I I really don't know it's yeah it's just this mystery to me and then like when I and then when that's out of wash, I'm like okay good like it, it like it's because these things get disgusting after oh, a while, yeah. like you know. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know what it is. You know, when but that's... when my
0: wife sometimes I'll have bo, I like the way it smells because that's a it's wo- <laughs> a woman's body and it's my wife. Yeah. So I was going to yeah. say, if you like the smell of it's pheromones, uh, pheromones, if you like the smell of stinky stuff, maybe it's related to that. I don't think it's weird at all. I think you're just testing the waters. You know, if you if you <laughs> want to like wear a dirty shirt while you are. Alone in your room, you know, watching dirty movies—that would be weird. I'll, I'll <laughs> say that's weird, <laughs> yeah. but I, I don't think that's weird. I think you're just—you're right. a normal person. My, my—is that weird? is is probably not that. I had a hard time this week too, and I came up with this because last night this happened. I have a newborn, and I've been waking up a lot with her in the middle of the night, and I've been waking up, and it's windy here. So I hear things at night and I'm not like a scared guy normally at night, but lately I've been having this feeling that that I feel like someone's trying to get me. Like someone's trying to come Mm -hmm. into the house. Someone's trying to break in. And then I just sort of lay there for a minute. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go check every door. You're going to check every goddamn window. No. And Mm -hmm. I finally get myself relaxed enough where I say, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if someone's (laughs) coming in my house to kill me and rape me, so be it i'm going to sleep and it has been helping me to just let it go by saying if it's my time to be on the news cuz i got shanked then fine but is that weird that i at <laughs> night i get these
1: debilitating
0: like i'm going to get my house broken into and then i just let it roll
1: no no i think that's i think you're uh you've like you you're subverting it like you're 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 not letting it like Force you to get up and go check everything. That's good because you're just like, all right, well, I guess if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I, that sounds sounds healthy, okay, to me.
0: Oh, great! Well, is that healthy? That new segment on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, good. Well, I think it might be weird that I'm over analyzing that every noise is a robber or a zombie trying to get into my house. Uh, uh,
1: that's totally normal. That's like, normal. especially okay. if you have a if you have a newborn. Yeah, on, you're 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 in that. Plus, you're also sleep deprived. Like, yeah whatever's happening now is fine oh good <laughs> like you just you just got to get through it i'm rolling with it then
0: okay you said so so i'm happy about that well listen this is a lot of fun man uh we're, yeah, we're yeah goodbye. oh of course pleasure was mine we're saying goodbye i'm playing the hotelier and appreciate it very much for you taking an hour out of your night and you know and like i said and for checking out my show and and doing this it, it means a lot so thanks for that kyle yeah, no problem. And best of luck to you in the big city. You know, you're just field mouse in the big city with the new big job. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're going to do okay. Yeah, I'm going to make it after all. Ah, you can do it. You can do it. Well, <laughs> thanks again for coming on, man. It was good to meet you. Yeah, thanks. All right, dude. Take it easy. All right. Well, there we go. Well. Huge, huge thanks to Kyle Ryan for coming on the show. Certainly, if you go to the AV Club ever, you've probably read his work, seen his reviews. And now if you go to EW.com to see what he's got going on, check him out there. He's a funny, funny dude and worth watching. And that's all. So, what? This has been episode 115 of Save for the Show. If you're a fan of Kyle's and you listened to this because you wanted to hear him, stick around. Normally the show is funny. It's Eddie and I sharing stories, trying to make each other laugh, being raw and silly and all that good stuff. And if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, I've started doing another show, deadinsideshow.com with a pal Dylan of mine. And that's a great show too. If you like Walking Dead, I think it's going to be really fun. We recorded the first show this week And we recap the episode, and Dylan's got a lot of great inside info and Easter eggs, and of course I try to pepper in funny shit. So check it out. And otherwise, thank you so much for listening. This is Dan Fields, episode 115 of Save for the Show. Take care.